Money FM 89.3, the best of the afternoon update. Money in the market on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Money in the Market. I'm Ahmad Akhtar. The U.S. dollar slid on Wednesday after the U.S. Federal Reserve held interest rates steady, as was widely expected. But the dollar rallied in Asian trading on Thursday after the Fed signaled that borrowing costs will increase by another 50 basis points by the end of December. So what is the outlook for the greenback moving forward, as well as for key Asian currencies in the aftermath of the Fed's latest decision? Well, joining me on the phone today to answer those questions is Simon Harvey, head of FX analysis at MonFX. Simon, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Simon, just want to start by asking you this. There's been lots of volatility with the U.S. dollar ahead of the U.S. Fed decision as markets went back and forth on whether or not the Fed would hold firm on interest rates or tighten its monetary policy. Now that the Fed has decided to pause, how is the U.S. dollar faring? Yeah, as you said, we saw we saw a lot of volatility around the Fed decision itself. I mean, going mm. into into the decision, there was a, a clear bias in FX markets that traders were looking to sell the dollar. I mean, that bias has been evident for, for the most part of, of this year, but it's been contingent on the Fed basically calling an end to its hiking cycle. And you know, the expectations to, to, towards Wednesday's decision were that we, we were going to get even closer to that point. And mm. for that reason, you know, markets were really looking to, to, to sell the dollar on this on this structural decline. Mm. Um, I mean, in the aftermath of the decision, it looks like the dust has settled somewhat. Uh, markets aren't necessarily buying the Fed's uh, messaging that they're going to hike two more times this year. Mm. I think what they're essentially looking at is, okay, the Federal Reserve are pretty much there. They've mostly got one more hike left in them, whether that be in July or the, or the meeting after later in, in Q3. Um, but they couldn't signal as such in, 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 the, in their projections because if they did, you could potentially get a premature loosening of, of financial conditions. So it looks like markets are viewing the, the dot plot almost as a signaling tool, um, as opposed to a credible forecast as to where the Fed funds rate is, is going. And that should, for the time being, take some of the edge off of the dollar. Mm. I don't think we're necessarily at that point where, you know, the Federal Reserve are officially calling an end to their hiking cycle when you get some kind of stability in, in interest rate spreads um, for, for the dollar to start weakening on, on a more sustainable basis. Mm. But we are getting there. We are starting to see that the, the cracks are appearing in this in this kind of do, uh, bullish dollar dollar view. Okay. Well, why has the U.S. dollar rallied despite the pause in the rate hike? Uh, I mean, I mean, it's rallied ever so briefly uh, yesterday um, because. Uh, essentially, there was, a, there was a big sell-off. I mean, in the actual aftermath of the decision, even though they paused, the dollar rallied because the headlines came through saying that they're going to hike another mm-hmm. 50 basis points, or at least that's what the projections were saying. Um, and they're also projecting the fact that there's less likely to be a recession this year. Right. Um, and, you know, the algos basically fed off of that. Um, but generally speaking, you know, after the Fed decision, outside of the Japanese yen, which is just doing what the Japanese yen is doing in mm. terms of uh, being very sensitive to longer-term U.S. yields, mm. which are getting a bit of an uplift on the idea that the terminal rate isn't going to be as high as previously expected. Mm. Um, the actual kind of move in the dollar has been fairly benign, um, and, and we expect that to, to continue, really. Yeah, you touched on the Japanese yen, which fell to a seven-month low after the Fed reversed course from its hawkish policy stance. Were you surprised by that? 
Not necessarily. As, as I just mentioned, um, the, the idea that we're going to get a lower terminal rate mm. in, in, in the U.S. means that actually, um, you know, the, the, the view for longer term growth is actually a lot better. And, you know, if the Bank of Japan expected uh, to, to keep rates on hold uh, at least till July, yeah. you know, that all of a sudden that, that 10 year yield differential is going to widen again. And, and that's what we're seeing play out in dollar JPY, which has pretty much been determined by the, the, the 10 year yield differential um, for, for much of this year. Okay, okay. How have other Asian currencies reacted to the pause in Fed policy? Yeah, I think, again, the, the moves have been fairly limited. Um, you know, we're not really seeing kind of huge uh, relief rally from the idea that the, the global risk-free rate has has pretty much stabilized. Yep. Um, what we are seeing is, you know, a bit of movement, obviously, in the, in the Chinese yuan on, on the back of policy easing from, from the PBOC, mm. potentially opening up um, some some capacity for for further losses, just because it looks like their tolerance for for a weaker yuan has, has kind of increased uh, over the past few weeks, given the the, the weak patch of data. Um, but outside of that, I mean, really and truly, we aren't seeing kind of huge huge flows here. Um, the Thai bar, kind of similar to the Japanese yen, was under a little bit of pressure um, mm. over the past few days. That's more a sign of you know an ailing consumer backdrop in in China, as opposed to kind of the Fed decision in itself. Um, but one one of the clear kind of outperformers here over kind of the back end of this week has been the Aussie dollar. Mm. You know, we've had really strong um, labour market data out of Australia. Yep. We're starting to see the case build for the RBA hiking rates and, mm. and extending that hiking cycle. And then when you map that against the backdrop of, you know, increased stimulus for the Chinese economy and the potential that the Fed are going to pause their hiking cycle, then all of a sudden the, the case to go kind of bullish on the Aussie is, has really picked up a bit of steam. And, and I think that's been the, the kind of the, the notable performer in, in, in the APAC region over, over the back end of this week. Okay, Simon, now that the US Fed's decision is out, is it more clear on where the US dollar is headed for the rest of the year? Or can we expect more volatility? Um, I, I think we we can expect some more volatility towards the end of the year. I think for now, we're going to start hitting a bit of a patch where all of a sudden, you know, economies are, are kind of converging, you know, rates are pretty much at uh, terminal uh, or, or close to the terminal levels. Um, and for that reason, you know, we're going to see essentially markets trade back off of the fundamentals in terms of how quickly inflation comes down, what yep. the growth outlook looks like. Looks like. Mm. That's not necessarily going to give us the volatility that we saw at the beginning of the year. I think that's going to keep us in relative ranges, especially across most G10 uh, currency pairs. But then towards the back end of the year, all of a sudden, when the, the possibility of, of easing policy comes back into play mm. um, or potentially over-tightening policy starts to show up in the data, that's when we're going to start seeing volatility really pick up. So for the time being, we expect a, a mildly softer dollar over the, over the next few months, just because we don't think the data is going to roll over too much. We don't necessarily expect too much more from the Federal Reserve either. Mm. So we're going to hit this kind of bit more stagnant period for markets, um, almost like a traditional summer in, in, in FX markets. But then all of a sudden, towards the back end of the year, it's going to come back where all of a sudden, as I said, the, the data is really going to start showing the effects of tightening. And we're really going to see if monetary policy has been calibrated correctly. Okay, I just want to touch on a, a term that's been used rather frequently, de-dollarization, which refers to a decreasing reliance on the dollar as the dominant international currency. It also appears to be gaining traction. What would that mean for the US dollar? Yeah, we've, we've seen this kind of gain traction um, over recent years, whether it's been the, the, the emergence of, of China in terms of global trade or yeah. you know, denominating uh 
commodity trade as as, as well. Um, but then it's almost been turbocharged by the the war in Ukraine and, and the, the kind of the uh, the weaponization of of the U.S. financial system as as a response. Yeah. And that's it's kind of a, a narrative that's been at play here for for ten fifteen years. That mm. the reserve managers, that global trade, it, all of a sudden it wants to be less reliant on on the U.S. It wants to to have a bit more kind of exposure to other big economies where capital markets are seen as safe. Uh, they're relatively stable, whether it be in Europe, whether it be in the U.K for example, or Japan, um, and, and then to some degree China. But all of a sudden, I mean, it, it, as I said, it's picked up a lot of traction. This is a very long-term story in markets. It feeds into the idea that, yes, the dollar is overvalued. Yes, there's likely to be some kind of longer-term um, re, re kind of recalibrations going there in terms of where central banks are storing reserves mm. and you know how global trade looks like in this kind of more polarized world. Um, but, but generally speaking, it's not something that we that we track on almost a day-to-day basis you right. know fx markets are, are very short term mm. and uh yeah this longer term narrative is definitely something worth keeping an eye on in terms of the longer term valuation of of the dollar um but at the moment it's something that just tends to come through the news cycle whenever there's a big political event or whenever mm. all of a sudden you know china is opening its access to its capital markets Sure. Just on that, is there a currency that could be the next dominant international currency, you think? Yeah, I mean, this is this is the big question, right? There, there, there is no alternative is the big pushback on this, this mm. de-dollarization theme in terms of, you know, institutional credibility, whether it be uh, the, the depth of the capital markets uh, to, to store the global savings glut, um, or whether it be just the use of it. You know, one of the, the, the key kind of things that underpins the dollar as, as a global currency is the fact that because every Everyone's using it. It just eases the trade, mm. you know, because everyone's just doing trade in dollars. There is no kind of financial frictions there. So, um, as I said, the, the, it's something that's kind of being picked up a lot. The debt ceiling is another area where all of a sudden yeah. one of the foundations of of the, the dollar as a global reserve currency got put into question. But again, that kind of passed the test, although it is going to have a bit of an impact on on the global view on the dollar. Mm. Um, but there isn't really a there isn't really a market out there that has the the access the capital capital depth, uh, the institutional credibility to really threaten the US dollar in terms of overtaking it as a, as, as a global kind of reserve currency. What I would say are, you know, areas like Europe, Japan, for example, they have aspects of it, yeah. which means that it's, it's going to kind of nip at the heels of the dollar. But I don't think we're necessarily going to start seeing, you know, global reserves being being priced in, in euros or global trade predominantly being priced in euros or yen mm. for, for quite some time. Okay, okay. Now, with big swings anticipated in in major currency pairs, are there any attractive opportunities for traders to look forward to? Yeah, I mean, there's a few anomalies. As I, as I mentioned earlier, we're talking about a market that could stagnate over the next few months. We yeah. really have to start getting creative with where we're looking. We are seeing some big moves in emerging markets, whether it be in the Turkish lira uh, on the return to more orthodox economic policies, whether it be in South Africa on, on kind of the potential for you know an economic improvement uh, and an improvement in the electricity supply. I mean, emerging markets are going to be the area where we're still going to see a lot of fundamentals move a lot more aggressively, and we are potentially going to see the easing cycle set in earlier. 
But then in the developed market space, obviously, we're all still waiting on the Bank of Japan. Right. Um, you know, inflation's going one way in Japan. Uh, we're all sitting here thinking, how, how are they going to, to, to kind of start tightening policy? What's the new yield curve control program going to look like? And more importantly, when are they going to enact it? Um, I, I don't think we're going to see it this side of, 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 of the of a, of H1. Uh, I think we are going to see it in the second half of the year, potentially as early as July. Mm. But with the Japanese yen trading at, at, at the values that it is, and, you know, global risk still still somewhat there uh, in terms of aversion. You know, there's warnings about equities rolling over, growth conditions cooling. I mean, yes, we've seen kind of US growth pick up over, over recent weeks, but that kind of tentative environment for global growth is still there and, and potential for, for US equities to start plummeting is, is still there as well. And, and that could also feed into the yen. So I think that's the big one to watch out for over, over the coming months, especially as volatility elsewhere kind of kind of uh, evaporates. Okay. Before I let you go, Simon, what else should investors look out for that could move FX markets in the coming weeks? Yeah, I mean, um, I'm, I'm currently based in the UK. I think the UK at the moment is, uh, is the area where it's drawing a lot of focus in terms of you know, inflation conditions mm. um, and, and what that means for, for UK assets and, and capital inflows into, into sterling. I mean, we're seeing inflation turnover in, in the US. We're seeing it turnover in, in the Eurozone. It just isn't doing it in the UK. And there's a lot of kind of skepticism over whether the Bank of England has the inflation environment under control. So I think that's the area that we should be looking out for over the coming months in terms of what data to watch, what kind of uh, where we could still see some volatility in, in, in kind of fixed in the fixed income space and whether that seeps into FX markets. So, yeah, we'll be keeping very close eyes on, uh, on, on sterling and the UK uh, fundamentals over the, over the next few months. Well, Simon, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for your time and your insights. No, thank you for having me. We've been speaking with Simon Harvey, head of FX analysis at MonFX. Stay with Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.